Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the 171st airing of the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and today's topic is a, is a topic I've been meaning to talk about. As a matter of fact, I was going to give this presentation out at Stone Expo a couple of weeks ago, and I ended up missing that show. Uh, so I figured, thought I would I would talk about it today because it's kind of an interesting interesting topic. Now, first of all. I, I want to put in a disclaimer, and that disclaimer is I'm not out here to bash impregnators or bash any of the companies that manufacture impregnators, but I want to give you some good information so when you go and you buy any of these impregnators that you know what you're buying. Some of the things that aren't well to advertise, maybe I should say, from these manufacturers. So what are some of the things we're going to discuss today? We're going to look at some of the ingredients uh, in these materials and where to use that particular ingredient for the type of uh, repellency and the type of stone that you're dealing with. We're going to talk about how deep these impregnators actually penetrate. We'll talk about why breathing is absolute necess necessary, uh, something we call vapor emission. You'll see these on a lot of these impregnators. I'll also talk a little bit about capillary action, both micro and macro porosity, which is extremely important when selecting the proper impregnator. Um, we'll talk about shower floors. We did a show on this a couple of weeks ago with our my friend Pasha on, you know, why we don't seal shower floors, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, we'll talk about six-sided sealing again. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, but I want to get into a little bit more depth of why uh, six-sided sealing can be dangerous. Not always, but it can be dangerous. A little bit about nanotechnology. Uh, are sealers safe? Uh, for handling areas? Are they UV resistant? Will they provide slip resistance? Uh, can they prevent efflorescence? Uh, and can impregnators be used outside or in wet areas? And lastly, and probably the most uh, controversial is warranties. I'll talk about my opinions when it comes to um, warranties with with some of these impregnators you know back in the day when i started in this business some 40 years ago um it was, impregnators were, were just coming out on the market and to give you a little bit of history uh back in the 1950s sodium silicate was used as a concrete hardener and uh hadn't entered the stone industry yet uh actually before my time i was born in the 50s but I wasn't doing stonework in the 50s, obviously. Uh, not many two-year-olds out there do that. Uh, in the 1960s, silane uh, came into to the picture, primarily for concrete. It really wasn't until, I would say, the mid to late 1970s and even later, when we started looking at sealing uh, stone surfaces, floors, countertops, etc. And now, 
you know, if you go to the trade shows, you go online and you search stone impregnators, I mean, you're just embalmed with a ton of different uh, manufacturers out there. And we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into how these differ. Now, we're not going to go manufacturer by manufacturer, but I will talk about some of the slight differences between them and how you can choose a, a, a good impregnator over one that uh, may not work for your particular situation. Now, I'm not going to get into, you know, how they work in, in a lot of detail. We've done that in some other shows, and I don't think that's necessary for here. I will mention that, you know, we're looking at whether the water repellent, which is called hydrophobic, whether the oil repellent, which we call oilophobic, or whether they're both or not one or the other. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So let's get into some of the ingredients uh, that are in these in these uh, uh, impregnating sealers. And by the way, uh, if you're listening live, the phone number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. Uh, I do apologize for those that had tuned in at 3.30 here my time. Uh, we had technical difficulties, so I ended up starting at 4. So if you happen to be listening live and you have a comment or, or question, go ahead and call. If not, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, feel free to send me an email. It's fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Also, what I'm talking about today, I put on my blog site. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with my blog, I have nearly 100 articles on that blog site. I'm going to give you that site because a lot of the information I'm discussing today, I actually put in an article and just published it today. And that blog site is stoneforensics.blogspot.com. That's stoneforensics.blog, B-L-O-G, spot. Dot com, and you'll see all the articles I put on there in stone tile, uh, etc. Like I said, I think it's close to 100. By the time I'm done, there'll be well over 100 articles on there. Some really good inf- information. Okay, so let's get into the ingredients. First of all, we need to talk about the carriers. And what I mean by the carriers, it's you know 90% plus of these impregnators that we're dealing with today are either water or they're a solvent of some time. They may be, you know, mineral spirits, a combination of different solvents. But, you know, 90% plus, uh, the, that's your carrier. You have water-based and you have solvent-based impregnators. Now, before I get into the minor ingredients, which are the major ingredients that make these water repellent and oil repellent, um, I will say this. Uh, which one will penetrate deeper? Will the solvent-based penetrate deeper than the water-based impregnators? Well, Unfortunately, there's not a yes or no answer to that. It's going to depend. It's going to depend on the pore size, uh, it can, what we call the porosity of the stone. You know, stone has pores just like a sponge has. And if the pores are very large, we call that a macro porosity. If the pores are very small, we call that a micro porosity. So the size of the molecule, which is basically the size of the carrier, either water or solvent, solvents have a much smaller molecule than water does. So if you have a very dense material, uh, a material that's very, very um, uh, tight, if you will, uh, the water base isn't going to penetrate as deep as, they say, the solvent-based materials, which has a smaller uh, a smaller molecular structure. So keep that in mind when you're choosing between water base and solvent base. Now, up to a few years ago, if I was asked, are the solvent-based impregnators better than the 
water-based impregnators, I would probably say yes from the standpoint of, of penetration. But there, there's some good advantages to the water-based materials like odor, uh, environmentally friendly, et cetera. But I'm not going to get into that today. I want to get into more of the, um, the, the chemistry and, and how these materials work and answer some of your questions that I had posed uh, in the very beginning. If you do have those questions, you know, feel free to call in. Feel free to drop me an email. I'll be more than happy to, to answer those questions. So what are these impregnators made up of besides water or besides a solid? Well, there's, there's basically two ingredients that can be broken down into subcategories. The first is being your silicone derivatives, and they are either silanes, siloxanes, or silicates. And then you have your fluorinates or your fluoroalphatics. And those can be broken down into many different varieties, derivatives as well. And I'm not going to get into that. So I want to talk basically first about the silicone derivatives. <coughs> Excuse me a minute while I take a sip of my coffee here. First is the silanes. And as I had mentioned, the silanes were developed back in the 1950s. And they were used a lot on concrete. And you guys that do terrazzo, which is basically concrete. You may end up using a, a silicate or silane based uh, impregnator on there. So silanes penetrate into the surface to form a cross link silicone resin membrane within the surface, which remains breathable. Now, silanes have a very small molecular structure and are also slow reacting, which together allows them to penetrate fairly, fairly deeply. But what about on stone? Here's something that manufacturers may not tell you about silanes, and that is. They require a high pH to cure properly. Now, you will have that high pH in concrete, but you won't necessarily have a high enough pH in a granite or a marble or a limestone. So they're really not a good uh, impregnator to use on stone surfaces. They'll penetrate deep, but they really, don't, they really don't cure out well. So basically stay away from the silanes, S-I-L-A-N-E-S. So that brings us to siloxanes. And you see a lot of impregnators out there, especially when I got started 40-some years ago. Most of the impregnators out there were siloxane-based. And siloxanes are basically a derivative of the silane uh, family. But like a silane sealer, siloxanes will penetrate into the surface. They will form a silicone resin, which most of them do within the surface. They will remain breathable. But they generally possess a mixture of different size particles to fill different size voids. So siloxanes are very good for both dense materials and not so dense materials. So the normal, the normal, they normally have a silane component, which has a very small molecular structure, and a siloxane component that has a larger molecular structure. So you're kind of hitting it both ways for the small pores as well as the large, uh, large pores. So... Siloxanes are referred sometimes as silane slash siloxanes, so don't be confused. If you see the word silane slash siloxane, you're dealing with basically a siloxane-based uh, based impregnators, and these are excellent for water repellents. If you want a really good water repellent and you're not looking for oil repellency, your sil siloxanes are the way to go. Again, siloxanes are the way to go for excellent water repellency. The third silicone derivative is what we call our silicates. You guys that work with concrete, work with terrazzo, uh, are using a lot of silicate-based densifiers, and that's what these densifiers are made of. They're usually some type of a siliconate. So they are also a derivative of the silane family, but again, not so good when it comes to working with 
marble, granite, limestone, etc. So stay away from the silicates when it comes to marble and granite, limestone, etc. Good on terrazzo because terrazzo is concrete based and good on brick, good on concrete, etc. And that brings us to the last, which is our floral alphatics, sometimes called fluorinates. Um, you guys are old enough to remember uh, they used to have these commercials on TV all the time showing Scotchgard. You know, you would protect your carpets and protect your upholstery with Scotchgard. Well, these fluorinates are basically a derivative. They're, they're very similar to that Scotchgard, but they are both hydrophobic and oilophobic. So they work really, really well for repelling both oil and both water. So they have a strong carbon fluorine bond, which is very stable and non-reactive. So these bonds tend to be a little bit more durable, long-lasting, UV resistant and heat resistant and over your traditional, you know, siloxane, silanes and any of the other ones out there. So most of the impregnators, the these impregnating sealers that are sold on the market today are fluorinated. They're fluorinated based. So how do you tell? How how do you look at the, you know, a, a can of of an impregnator and tell what the ingredients are, ask for a safety data sheet. Now, some of them will have them on the, on the can itself. Some of them won't, but go ahead and ask for a safety data sheet and it'll be on there. If you see the word silane, stay away from it. You see the word siloxate, stay away from it. If you see the word siloxane with an X, that's good for water repellency, not so good for oil, but you primarily want to look at what we call your floral alphatic. So it may say floro, alpha, something or other, or floral. So look for the word floral. That's the word that, that you are looking for. So let's do a recap real quick here. Unlike silanes, which require a high pH to catalyze, siloxanes are not dependent on a substrate's pH. So they're good for marble, granite, et cetera, all the natural stone that we use. Because of this, again, siloxanes are ideal. Because silanes are made up of smaller molecules than silanes, they typically will be deeper in penetration than siloxanes, but they don't cure properly on stone, so we can pretty much ignore that. Now, if guys deal with concrete, yes, they're really good for concrete. The silanes, the siloxanes, and the silicates are all water repellents, not oil repellents. So that brings us to the common questions. How deep do they penetrate? You know, must they breathe, et cetera? So let's take a quick break. When I come back, we'll tackle that. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains. Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. Alrighty, folks, we're back. And, and again, I want to mention, if you're listening live, uh, the call-in number is 323-870-3968. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to send me a question or a comment, my email address is fhuston, spell F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Everything I'm talking about on today's show and then some can be found on my blog. Uh, my blog is stoneforensics.blogspot.com. 
That's stoneforensics.blogspot.com. Okay, what I want to talk about next, and I get this question a lot from contractors, especially you guys out there doing restoration work and, and your fabricators as well, is how deep do these impregnators actually penetrate into the stone? And I know I've done experiments where you could put some impregnator on top of a, a stone and you wait a little while and the impregnator will actually come out of the back. So let's say you're dealing with a three centimeter material. You would say, well, it's penetrating all the way through. The answer is no. Because what happens when you apply these impregnators? Remember, it's being carried by a solvent. What happens is the solvent separates out from the actual resinous material. So, you know, whether you're dealing with a siloxane or a floral alphatic, you apply the impregnator. It slowly soaks into the stone. And usually the first 10 millimeters or so that really get the concentration of that particular resin, which coats the individual individual pores. So, the actual protection isn't as deep as you, you would expect it to be, but do you really need it any deeper than that? Is there any reason? If you have staining coming up from underneath, well, that's a whole other story, but you really don't, don't need it that deep. So anywhere about average of about 10 millimeters uh, based on what I've been able to research and uh, do my experiments on. So um, keep that in mind. Now, your manufacturers probably won't tell you that. Um, I can't believe some of the manufacturers, oh, yeah, it penetrates all the way through. You're protected all the way through, and, and it's not the truth. Now, why must they breathe? And this is a question that comes up all the time. I've had many, many um, conversations and sometimes arguments with various individuals, various companies about breathability. You know, why must stone breathe? The argument is, okay, well, the stone's in the ground. It's a rock. It's not a living thing. It's not breathing. It doesn't have lungs or gills, right? Uh, down deep in the earth for millions of years, it's no oxygen down there. It's not breathing. Why does it have to breathe all of a sudden? Well, it, it has to breathe for several reasons. The first reason being is imagine we're taking this stone out of the ground. Well, we're not imagine. We are taking the stone out of the ground, and we're slicing and dicing it, and we're putting it into a shape that the stone is not used to being in. It's not used to being in a square, a rectangle, whatever, you know, a, a geometric shape. What happens is that particular stone, once it's placed in that shape, wants to revert back to its original shape. It's a, in physics, we call that entropy. You can look it up. I discussed this in my, in my uh, stone inspection seminar, but it, the word is entropy. Look it up and you'll understand what I'm saying. That's number one. Number two is when we place that stone, that tile, that countertop on top of a substrate, water always moves up. If you don't believe me, look up in the sky. Those clouds that you're looking at, that's water vapor. Okay, when that cloud gets full enough, it releases its water vapor and turns it into a liquid and you end up with rain, right? So in an installation, whether it's a wood, wood substrate, whether it's a concrete substrate, whether you're on top of a countertop, your moisture is always going to go upwards. Now, if for some reason we blocked that vapor from, from you know, let's say we put a film on top of there. We put a, you know, a, a plexiglass film on top of it. This is especially true with slabs uh, on a, a tile on a floor, not necessarily a countertop because the countertop can still breathe from underneath. Uh, what happens is that moisture is trying to escape. And if it can't escape, it will build up pressure to the point where it will actually start spalling. 
and that's known as osmotic pressure. And again, I'm not getting into that. There's some excellent articles out there uh, on osmotic pressure. And again, we talk about that in my, my seminar. If you've never been to that seminar, it's a really great seminar. We talk pretty extensively on osmotic pressure and some of the issues that can cause. So the reason I'm telling you this is that remember, stone must breathe because of that reason. You don't want to trap the moisture in there. But what does it breathe? Does it breathe liquid water? No. It breathes vapor. That's why you hear the word vapor transmission, breathability. Now, that's extremely important. And the reason it's extremely important is when we get into the subject of should I put an impregnator on an exterior surface or a wet area like a shower pan in a a shower? And in my opinion, no. And here's the reason. Imagine you have an exterior stone or a shower pan and you seal it. Uh, What happens is water that's coming out of the shower, coming down on rain or whatever, uh, will be repelled. But what happens underneath that particular stone if it builds up water? In a shower pan, you have weep holes, depending on the type of shower system you have. Uh, Or you can get condensation. You all know what condensation is. You see it some mornings on your windows, right? What happens is that vapor that's in that particular stone, say a steam shower will create vapor, even cold water will have some kind of vapor to it. What it does is it turns into water within the stone, and now it's trapped. Now it can't get out. The only way it can get out is when it turns the vapor again. And remember, even though we're not totally blocking those pores with these impregnators, we're reducing the size of those pores. So uh, it's it's restricting the amount of, of vapor and hence water that can escape. So... Really, really keep that in mind. If you go back and listen to my podcasts uh, that we talked with Pasha, we were talking about this very particular uh, topic when it comes to using these impregnators. So I'm not saying impregnators are bad, but I bet you the manufacturers won't tell. But I bet you they will tell you, oh, yeah, use our impregnator outdoors. It won't be a problem. Now, I will say there have been situations where I have recommended an impregnator for outside stone, but it has very specific requirements and very, very specific application instructions for for doing so. Um, You know, for example, uh, a pool deck that has a sand bed would probably be okay because you're dealing with a very porous underside. It's not being as trapped as as much as some others. So that's one exception. And keep in mind, with the stone industry in particular, not necessarily tile, but with the stone industry, there's always exceptions to the rule, and it happens to be one exception. But... I am not a big fan of using these impregnators in a wet area or an exterior situation for that reason. And again, I will repeat that reason because they repel water, but they don't repel vapor. Okay, keep that in mind. So that's why breathability uh, is extremely, extremely important. Uh, And again, the size of the pores matter. You know, your, your stone that is very dense, um, some you know something like a, a dense Carrara or, or a dense black absolute is going to have very very tiny pores what we call micro porosity and it's going to be easier for those particular stones to uh, trap moisture and small than say a very large material uh, very very large uh, micro macro porosity type uh, type type stone okay let's talk about six sided ceiling and then we'll get into the other things about impregnators. But this is a topic that's come up in recent years. 
As a matter of fact, I think the NTCA actually has a video or a tech bulletin on, on doing this, and they, they do recommend this. And I'm not against it, but with that said, here's where the problem comes in, and that is you have to use the proper setting material. Remember, if you're using a water-based setting material and that setting material does not have any kind of chemical bonding to it, it's going to be an issue because what these impregnators do? They repel water. So you can imagine what would happen if you're using a water-based, say, an unmodified thin set and you six-side seal it. And let me back up a minute. For those of you unfamiliar what I mean by six-sided sealing, that's where you take a tile. Tile has six sides. And you use an impregnator on all six sides, the sides, the bottom, and the top. Some guys will even dip it in the, in the impregnator. And the reason they do this is so you don't get grout that bleeds in. Uh, you, don't, you don't get staining that occurs, uh, which, is, which is okay. But where the mistakes are made is not only with choosing the wrong setting material, but also the grout. If you're using a standard grout, uh, it's water-based. It's not going to bond to the side of the tile. So you need to be able to use the right, right setting material. And the right grout. So, again, be careful. And this is especially for you guys out there that are doing installs. Definitely be careful with six-sided sealing, making sure you're using the right setting materials. Um, Question comes up all the time. Are sealers safe for food handling? Uh, Back when I was doing restoration work, I'd get this from, from homeowners all the time you know i've got this brand new granite countertop if i put a stake on it i'm gonna have to worry about the chemicals that are in this particular sealer and generally what i'd give them is i would give them a quote that i found from the usda and i'll read you this quote and if you'd like a copy of this quote i can i can send it to you but basically this is what it says penetrating repellents cure within the interior pores of the stone and after this curing process the food does not come in contact with it Up until December 1995, the USDA required that sealers used in federally inspected meat and poultry plants be certified as safe to use, presenting no toxicological toxicological threats. And as of December 1995, the USDA ended this certification. These treatments pose no threat when used in food preparation areas. So basically they're safe. There's your proof directly from the USDA. Now, this question comes up again. All these questions come up a lot, but how often do you apply an impregnator? And my answer to this is rather vague. It depends. It depends on the use. It depends on how the countertop, how the floor is cleaned, with what chemicals they are used. I say try the old water test. You know, place some water on, on, the, on the stone. If it soaks in in under a minute or two, it probably needs to be sealed. Beating is not necessarily or I should say lack of beating, it doesn't necessarily mean that the stone is not sealed properly. What will happen, you place that water on there, if it penetrates, the stone will usually turn darker. So it's going to depend. In some cases, you may once a year. In other cases, you know, five years. It, it Again, depends on the use of that particular stone. So the question comes up, does all stone need to be sealed? This argument all the time with a couple of friends of mine and uh, – I had one say one time, well, no, not all stone needs to be sealed. And I say, I agree, but can you provide me with a list of stones that don't need to be sealed as well as their alternative names? And they can't. I mean, there's stone coming into our country, you know, that uh, has 10, 12, 20 different names to it. So it's impossible. So my opinion has always been if you seal the stone and you do it properly, 
and it doesn't need to be sealed, what harm are you doing? Now, you can have things like, you know, the resins in, or certain granites can react with certain solvent-based sealers, you know, but you always want to test. You always want to test. So my opinion is, no, all stone doesn't need to be sealed, but you won't harm if you seal it anyway. So that that's just my two cents. Um, are sealers, are these impregnating sealers UV resistant? And the answer to that is yes, because why? Because they penetrate below the surface of the stone. Now, this next one gets me all the time, and uh, I have yet to hear the explanation of how this works. Will impregnators make the stone slip resistant? Well, if the impregnator is below the surface of the stone, how does that affect the surface? You know, water, as a matter of fact, in some cases, uh, you know, applying an impregnator to a, uh, a stone will keep water on the surface. It'll actually increase uh, the chances of slipping. So obviously you want to test that particular impregnator for that. So I don't buy the, uh, the statement that an impregnator will make a stone slip resistant. Now, here's where I get a lot of mistakes. I had a contractor call me not just recently saying, Fred, uh, I got a problem with some efflorescence, so we sealed the stone. I'm like, oh, God, no, you did not. Uh, remember, now you know how, how these impregnators work. When you seal the stone, in the case of efflorescence, efflorescence comes from what? comes from moisture within the setting bed, within the stone. Okay, now you've reduced the, the, the rate of, of escape for that moisture, so you actually can increase the efflorescence and increase the chances of that stone falling. So do not use any sealer, whether it's an impregnator or a topical on a stone that has, has efflorescence. Can they be used outside? We've already discussed that. And of course, what impregnators won't do. We know they won't prevent acid etching. We know they're repellents. They're not proofers. So they're not waterproofers. They're not oil proofers. They're water Repellents, they're oil repellents, so they basically buy you time, and that's the way I would sell it to any of my customers. They're only going to buy you time, uh, time enough to get the rag, to get the paper towel, uh, to, to clean up the spill. Now, for probably the most controversial of this and where we tend to butt heads a lot of times with manufacturers is warranties. Well, I have a strong opinion when it comes to warranties, not only with impregnators, but anything. And and that is making sure you read the warranty to see what the disclaimers are in that warranty. I have seen warranties uh, basically that state uh, we will warranty this uh, particular product for, you know, whatever, 10 years, as long as you use our cleaner. And, of course, if there's a warranty claim, they're going to say you didn't use our cleaner. Uh, a lot of them are a lot more complicated than that. There's all kinds of disclaimers on there. The problem with the warranties is this. In my opinion, it's just a marketing, it's just for marketing purposes only, simply because if there is a warranty issue and if they admit that the that they will, you know, the, okay, our warranty will, will replace what? They're not going to replace the countertop. They're not going to replace the floor. They're not going to pay the applicator for uh, cleaning the floor or countertop or, or reapplying it. They're going to replace the product. Big deal. You know, the product is is nothing in comparison to what that job costs. And you guys that do this for a living know exactly what I'm talking about. So even though the warranties are out there, you know, be extremely careful uh, when it comes to warranties. Read those warranties. I've had some companies that um, have warranties, a lifetime warranty. 
and I had one company I had done some consulting work for that had a lifetime warranty, and uh, they replaced some countertops, but they figured that. They, you know, they figured, well, if we get fabricators to apply our particular product, we're going to end up replacing X amount of countertops, and, you know, the bean counters figure that in. You know, we'll spend this amount of money replacing countertops if that can't be fixed. So, you know, things like uh, uh, we'll warranty it if there's ever a stain, we'll tell you how to remove it, or we'll send someone out there to remove it. You know, so what? You know, the, the warranty is, isn't really any good. So anyway, that's my sermon, I should say, on, on impregnators. And again, if anybody has any questions whatsoever, you know, feel free to drop me a line. Uh, my email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. So folks, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net.